Welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Kelly Dry Full Spectrum is produced twice monthly, and show notes are available at www.kellydryfullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog, comlawmonitor.com. All links are in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. Hello, and welcome to Kelly Dry's Full Spectrum Podcast. I'm Ross Slutsky, an associate in Kelly Dry's Communications Group, and I'm joined in the studio by John Heitman, partner and chair of the Communications Group. Today, we are going to discuss the ramifications of President Trump signing into law a recent congressional resolution overturning the FCC's broadband privacy rules. Those rules impose comprehensive privacy and data security requirements on internet service providers and voice service providers. While this resolution fits into the broader deregulatory trend of the new administration, there has been a lot of confusion and conflicting press coverage surrounding this repeal, and we hope this podcast helps to clear up things. Great to be back in the studio, Ross. Today, we will discuss how we got to this point, what the repeal means for consumers and providers, and what comes next for broadband privacy. John, to start us off, what was the 2016 privacy order, and why did it come about in the first place? As you may recall, in 2015, the FCC reclassified Broadband Internet Access Service, or BIAS, as a telecommunications service. By doing so, it designated Internet Service Providers, we also call ISPs, as common carriers and subjected them to two relevant provisions of the Communications Act. Those are Sections 201B, which prohibits unjust and unreasonable practices, and Section 222, which requires carriers to protect the confidentiality of Customer Proprietary Network Information, or CPNI. By reclassifying broadband, the FCC effectively eliminated FTC oversight over broadband privacy since the FTC does not have jurisdiction over common carriers. Most of the rules the Commission now wanted to apply to biased providers needed updating for a broadband context. For instance, what is CPNI for a broadband provider? To fill this gap, in November of 2016, the FCC released new privacy rules intended to modernize its privacy regime as applied to both broadband and voice services. Among other things, the 2016 privacy order imposed new disclosure requirements, adapted a sensitivity-based customer choice framework, and heightened data security and data breach notification requirements. These rules proved controversial and were opposed by many ISPs for deviating from the FTC framework, which prohibits unfair and deceptive acts or practices and applies to the rest of the Internet ecosystem. Among other differences, the FCC's new rules more broadly define the category of sensitive information, subject to opt-in customer consent to include web browsing and app usage history of broadband subscribers. Now that we have some background, let's discuss the fate of these rules and what it all means. John, what's the Congressional Review Act? Under the CRA, whenever an agency creates a new rule, they must report on it to Congress, and Congress has 60 legislative days within which it can issue a joint resolution disapproving the rule. If it does, and the president signs the resolution into law, then the rule in question is invalidated. In addition, after the successful issuance of a joint resolution of disapproval, the agency may not issue a new rule that is substantially the same as the disapproved rule. But what does substantially the same actually mean? 
That's an open question. The CRA never defines substantially the same, and there is little case law or legislative history on the subject. However, nearly all courts that have examined the issue have held that the CRA precludes judicial review. Hence, as a result, it's unclear what type of rule would be, quote-unquote, substantially the same, and ultimately Congress would need to decide whether a given rule exceeded the CRA. This provides significant flexibility to agencies to interpret the scope of any joint resolution, particularly when a single political party holds a majority at the agency and in Congress, as is the case today. The joint resolution on the FCC's 2016 privacy order disapproved of the rule submitted by the Federal Communications Commission relating to protecting the privacy of customers of broadband and other telecommunications services. The resolution did not specify the rule at issue other than with reference to the 2016 privacy order, and as such, it is fair to read the joint resolution as applying to the entire 2016 privacy order. With this foundation in place, Ross, would you please take a minute to explain what all this means for consumers and carriers? Unfortunately, there has been an unusually high degree of confusion surrounding this repeal. I've been fielding a lot of questions lately from friends and family asking me what they need to protect themselves online. First, we all honestly just need to take a deep breath. One of the most common misconceptions I've seen is that ISPs somehow have the ability to traffic in people's personal information without their permission. For example, someone started a GoFundMe campaign to try to raise money to purchase the browsing histories of the members of Congress who voted in favor of the repeal. This is inaccurate. Granted, ISPs can and do sell aggregate characteristics of web browsing and app usage history for targeted advertising. This is something Google and other companies have already been doing for years. However, it's probably safe to say that ISPs cannot sell personally identifiable information without customer consent. Section 222 explicitly prohibits such behavior, subject only to narrow exceptions that aren't even relevant for our purposes. Moreover, even if Section 222 were found to have no effect in this context without applicable implementing rules, Section 201B likely serves as a reliable fallback because it would very likely be viewed as unjust and unreasonable for an ISP to say that it won't sell such information without a customer's consent and then go do just that. Now, Ross, according to some media outlets, many consumers seem to believe that the repeal means that they are losing their online privacy. However, as we discussed earlier, the FCC's broadband privacy rules never really went into effect. For the sake of argument, if we were to think about this in terms of gains and losses, consumers aren't losing any privacy protections. They just aren't gaining new ones. While the reaction to this repeal has been overblown, there are still legitimate criticisms privacy advocates have made about the repeal. For example... No rule currently on the books would seemingly stop an internet service provider from making consent to sharing personally identifiable information a condition of service. So if someone lived in a rural area where only one carrier was available, if the ISP made consent to sharing browser or app usage history a condition of service, the consumer would be put in the position of having to choose between access and privacy. Additionally, there are data analytics companies that are quite adept at taking de-identified online data and re-identifying it. The 2016 privacy order had explicitly addressed this issue to prevent carriers or third parties from undermining the legislative intent of Section 222A. That rule no longer exists. Granted, but Section 201B still applies and can be read to mean that carriers must take reasonable steps to safeguard the data they share from being prone to de-anonymization. 
This is true, and prudent carriers should take precautions to mitigate such risks. However, some say that there is value in having a clear set of rules set forth on that front which directly address the steps ISPs must take to protect consumers and minimize their risk of liability. In any event, there are still many tools privacy-conscious consumers can use to protect themselves online. There are no silver bullets for online privacy, but concerned citizens may want to think about using a reputable virtual private network, or VPN for short, and many should become more familiar with private browsing and flexible privacy settings made available by many of the top-tier players in the internet ecosystem. John, what does this repeal mean for ISPs? Ross, the immediate impact of the joint resolution on bias providers is limited. At the time the joint resolution was signed into law, none of the principal rule provisions of the 2016 privacy order had come into effect. Further, the statutory privacy obligations and various state privacy and breach notification laws that were in effect before the joint resolution still remain in effect. Also, in connection with their request to stay the data security rules of the 2016 privacy order, the largest bias providers had already voluntarily committed to adopt principles consistent with the FTC's privacy and security framework. What will be the impact for voice providers and other providers of non-bias telecommunications services? As with bias providers, the effect is probably limited. In the 2016 privacy order, the commission noted that the old CPNI rules would remain in effect for voice providers until the effective date of the new rules, with the exception of the record-keeping and annual reporting requirements that were eliminated when the order first went into effect, and a new enterprise customer exception. For the most part, then, the joint resolution preserves the status quo. However, the reinstatement of the old privacy regime could have two negative impacts on voice providers. Specifically, by turning back the clock to the pre-2016 privacy order regime, the joint resolution may eliminate the enterprise customer exception and reinstate the record-keeping and reporting requirements. We'll have to wait for the FCC guidance on these points. With that in mind, let's discuss what's next for broadband privacy. Going forward, the path is less clear. If the FCC or Congress reclassifies BIAS as an information service, such that BIAS providers are no longer common carriers, the FTC will regain jurisdiction over broadband privacy, as had been the case prior to 2015. Alternatively, if the FCC or Congress does not reverse BIAS classification, the FCC can issue new rules that are not substantially the same as those in the 2016 privacy order. However, the contours of the CRA's substantially the same prohibition are untested, and it's likely that the Commission could adopt rules in line with the framework put in place by the FTC under Section 5 of the FTC Act without running afoul of the CRA. As another alternative, the FCC could decline to impose rules at all, instead leveraging its statutory authority under Section 201B, Section 222, or the Open Internet Transparency Rule, which requires disclosures of privacy practices, to go after bad actors. It has been said that the Communications Act's Section 201B, which bans unjust and unreasonable practices, can work in much the same way as the FTC Act's Section 5, which bans unfair and deceptive trade practices. I'm going to jump in here and talk about a gap that potentially exists even if broadband was reclassified by the FCC or Congress to be a non-common carrier service. At the federal level, if BIAS was reclassified as a non-common carrier service, 
it would no longer be exempt from the FTC's jurisdiction under the common carrier exemption in Section 5 of the FTC Act. However, last year in FTC versus AT&T Mobility, the Ninth Circuit ruled that the FTC lacks jurisdiction over the non-common carrier activities of a company if that company is otherwise classified as a common carrier. This Ninth Circuit decision, which is pending en banc review by the same court, takes a status-based rather than the more commonly held activity-based approach to the common carrier exemption. As a result, and unless this decision is overturned, the FTC likely still would be deprived of jurisdiction over many ISPs in states encompassed by the Ninth Circuit, including California, Washington State, Hawaii, and others. Now, Republican and Democratic FCC and FTC commissioners, including acting FTC Chairman Maureen Olhausen and FCC Chairman Pai, have called for the elimination of the common carrier exemption by statute, and others have further suggested that the FCC should cede consumer protection authority to the Federal Trade Commission. Whether this happens or not, we expect that the FCC going forward will take a more FTC-like approach to consumer protection issues, focusing on a case-by-case enforcement basis rather than ex-ante prescriptive rules. As a result, while we expect fewer privacy and security-related enforcement actions in the current Republican-controlled FTC and FCC, bias providers should nevertheless take steps to maintain reasonable privacy and data security protections to mitigate risk of enforcement. We're also starting to see federalism at work. As the FCC takes a less aggressive approach to privacy, we expect to see renewed interest in broadband privacy enforcement among state attorneys general. For example, state attorneys general in California, New York, Massachusetts, and Connecticut have become increasingly active in privacy issues by virtue of state mini-FTC acts which prohibit unfair or deceptive acts or practices, and specific privacy and data security laws. More states are following suit. For example, Illinois is currently considering adopting a bill that would require companies to disclose the types of information they collect about consumers and the entities with which they share it. As a result, providers should pay attention to state privacy and data security laws and take steps to mitigate risk of enforcement when serving customers in those states. Thanks, Ross. That sums up the main points you need to know about the repeal. We will continue to monitor for new developments from the FCC on broadband privacy, broadband reclassification, and related issues. Thank you for joining us. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or ideas held by Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.